Welcome to the first NSB podcast. With me today is Paul Sanders, our associate pastor, and Joel Kobosh, our next gen leader. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Joel, you getting uh, plenty of sleep with uh, with the new guy around? Yeah, enough. <laughs> All right. Yeah, he was great at church yesterday, and I think uh, I think every time I looked at him, he was he was snoozing. Oh, he's perfect. Perfect. He was snoozing. Yeah. Well, listen, when you're that age, it's okay to sleep in church. But yeah. it's, not, it's not okay for us to be sleeping in church. So, yeah. Well, if he did cry, it might wake some people up, Pastor Luke. <laughs> might, might wake up some of the other people snoozing. <laughs> Maybe so. That's right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So, um, we are talking today about minor prophet Joel. We were in the second part of chapter two, and we were in chapter three yesterday. So um, let's talk about this. What um, what you guys what you guys pick up on? You know, what what observations did you have from the text that uh, that we can interact with? Paul, why don't we start with you? You kind of had like a um, you had a statement that really kind of captured the the sense of of specifically well chat well for for the whole thing. What what was that statement you had? When we repent, the Lord responds and restores. The title of the sermon was The Lord Responds. You went on to say that now when we repent, the Lord responds. And you also went on to say that he restores. That's verse 24 and 25 of, of, of chapter 2. God is able to restore what we've lost. And he responds in that way. I, I think it's amazing that he can do that. How do you restore something you've lost? You know, we... When we sin, we suffer consequences. When they sinned, the locusts came and destroyed everything. That was a consequence. And it says in verse 24, 25, he will restore what you've lost. Yeah. And very specifically, what they had lost, grain, wine, oil. Yes. And even the years that they lost. Yes. And I think that is an application to our lives. I remember my father used to weep. He was a good Christian, and he would weep and grieve over what he had done. He was estranged from a couple of the kids, and he would blame himself. But whatever he had done that was wrong, he had long before confessed it. And I, I didn't think that was a right thing to do, because I believe that God restores what we've lost. We, have, we might have to look for it. It might not be the same thing, what we would like to see restored, but he does restore. Yeah. So are you saying that he would he would recall sins that he had long since confessed? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, he'd look at the things he'd done. Well, for instance, one of the things was his divorce, and he'd be full of regrets. Well, I don't think God calls us to live a life of regret. I think he calls us to live a life of joy and thankfulness and vitality and rejoicing in the goodness and graciousness of God to us right now. And part of it is the fact that he, if we do that, he's restoring to us what we've lost. Yeah, I think it really is a, a beautiful picture to see them contract, that you have the judgment, you have Israel or ourselves or whatever living in sin, and you just see the destruction of sin just can destroy lives, relationships, you know. But then when you see the restoration, well, repentance, you repent and it's restored. And it's just a beautiful picture because the the sin makes things look so dark or the judgment or whatever it is, as we see here in Joel. But then when we get to this, the end, and then we see the restoration, it makes it, makes it that much more come to life, I guess, and real. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely see a contrast because, like uh, light in a dark room or something, you know, when the when it's right. really the light shines brighter. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and you see that that the Lord who who brought the locust plague is the Lord who removes the locust plague, right? The, the God who brought the judgment is the God who then brings blessing and restoration. So, Paul, back to your statement, when we respond, or rather, you said when we repent, the Lord responds and restores. So when we acknowledge that we've been going in the wrong direction, we've been rebelling against God when we come to our senses, like you think about the prodigal son in Luke 15, <laughs> you come to your senses and you repent, you turn away from that sin, God's response to our repentance is restoration and forgiveness. And, and, and we discover what Joel tells us about God in verse 13 of chapter 2, that God is gracious, he's merciful, he's slow to anger, he's abounding in steadfast love, he relents over disaster. So we repent, God responds with forgiveness and restoration. He certainly does. And, and I think that helps us understand Romans 8.28, all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. The things that we do that is wrong and that have consequences, real consequences in our life, for instance, if we go through divorce or if we, are, if we, if we have an estrangement with, uh, with our wife because of, of what we've been doing, uh, perhaps the sexual sin we've been doing, that God makes it work together for good in our lives. First of all, the, the destruction that comes in our lives that we, we're faced with and the consequences uh, if we're Christians, that'll cause us to turn back to God. We, we will, as Christians, come back to God when the destruction comes upon us. Once we come back to him, then he does restoration in our lives, and it works together for good. All things work together for good. The bad things and the good things that happen to us work together for good. Yeah, God, God is certainly, um, he, he's, he's in control of all of it. He's he's sovereign and he's um, he he definitely I mean he he sent I mean he specifically in, in chapter two verse twenty five as he's saying I'm going to restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten the hopper the destroyer and the cutter he then says my great army which I sent among you so again the same Lord who sent this army of locusts is the same Lord who's now saying I'm going to restore to you what was lost i'm going to restore to you what was what was eaten what was destroyed right and i think it's really important that we understand that god is both he brings judgment but he also brings a restoration and that's what makes him god and some people some people would prefer god just to be the loving god but we we have to have a god that is fair and just and judges sin in order for him to be god and we talked about that a little last week but i think that's what makes God who he is. Yeah, it certainly does, doesn't it? it uh, people think that God, uh, the God of judgment and the destruction, uh, is, is not a God they want to worship, and they don't believe in him. But the God they worship is a God that does what they want to, them to do, and that's not, that's, not, that's not the true God. That's an idol. That's why you have idols in your lives. You, you, uh, and for some, a lot of people in our society, an idol can be, Many times it's a relationship. Many times it's a relationship with someone, and you put pin all your hopes on that person, 
And guess what? That person disappoints you. It's not a God. It's not a true God. But God, the true God, never disappoints us. He is always doing the right thing. Absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, we take a, um, we take a book like the, the, the book of Joel, and it, it's really just a few pages in our Bible. It's only three chapters, just a few pages that's in the Old Testament. And it would obviously be an error to dismiss the prophet Joel and his message as irrelevant. I mean, what, what do you, what are like, a, I mean, a time, some timeless truths or timeless things that you think that are that, that from Joel that, that are so relevant to us today? I mean, what do you guys see in Joel that is so important for us to, to remember and for us to, um, to give, give our ears to today? What do you guys see? Well, I think, I think you did a really good job of, of bringing that together in your sermon and, and just the book of Joel. And, and I thought it was really powerful when you said, like, we, we tend to look over Joel like, oh, yeah, it's one of those minor prophets. It's kind of weird. Talks about locust and judgment. And, but you were like, no, we need, we need Joel. And one of the main things you said was it's a call to repentance, which is, I mean, as we just we live with sin daily. And sin can creep up in our hearts constantly. And we can live in sin and not even know it. Even as a pastor or a leader in the church, we can have sin in our life and not be aware of it. And when we, when we are made aware of it, or whether somebody, that's somebody in our life teaching that or showing us, then, then we need to repent. We need to turn back to God. And then when we do that, we experience we experience the joy and, and restoration and, and restored fellowship that comes from that. And I think that's really powerful. And it's yeah, a, da- and I th- a daily ongoing thing. It is a daily and ongoing thing, is it not? Yes, it is. And, and, and I think the other thing you said is we don't get to decide what's right and wrong. None of us do. We, as pastors, we can't tell people what's right and wrong and uh, from our own judgment, from our own, a worldview, um, but we need to turn to the Bible and figure out what's right and wrong. And I remember, I remember some some actress said that, that she was inviting everybody in the country to go on, on a sexual strike, or all the women in the country to go on a sexual strike uh, until the abortion laws were over, uh, the uh, the anti-abortion laws were overturned. And I, I had to laugh to myself. Well, I think God is calling. You, if you're not married, you know, do do be on sexual strike. You're not supposed to have sex. I thought it was funny. Yeah, I saw yeah. that too. That was funny. Yeah. yeah. Is so, that a recent, was that a recent call? I don't, yes, I don't, I don't, the last couple of days when Alabama passed her law, you know, that everybody's upset about uh, sexual okay. strike. And I thought, yeah. And and that's supposed to be bad. You're not supposed to have, you're supposed to have sex anytime you want to, and not pay any consequences. And and if you get if you get if you get pregnant, then you just say, oh, just take care of it, and uh, the baby's gone. Don't have to worry about babies anymore. And 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 they don't see the death and destruction around them. They they totally turn a blind eye to it. Now we see that fairly clearly because we're of the different persuasion. But there's things in our lives perhaps, that we don't see. And I think you're wise to point out the fact that we tend to judge and we write nasty things, um, or some of us do, that are Christians or evangelicals, and 
and we uh, we get very very uh, judgmental and very um, harsh. And the, I don't see that these people who are doing it being called to be prophets. <laughs> yeah, they're doing think, it to 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 make themselves feel better and and to look better. Yeah, and I think for us, um, you know, we we just I mean, I don't know. I I either heard it, learned it. A while back, I, I, don't, I certainly didn't come up with it, but this idea that it, it's it's not enough for us to be right or to have the right position, um, you know, how we go about communicating what we've discovered to be right, what we've discovered to be true from God's word, it matters. You know, it's not just that we proclaim truth, it's that we proclaim truth in, in a way that is in keeping with the truth, right? That you know, we don't, we, we shouldn't be nasty proclaimers of the truth. We shouldn't be jerks who are spouting truth. I mean, yes, let's proclaim the truth, but how we go about communicating the truth, it matters. And how we treat people, it, it matters. And so, you know, we, we need to, we need to really keep that in mind. And, you know, I, I in the past, you know, I, I, I learned that the, the, the question that really is, I guess, the most important question when it comes to this discussion about elective abortion is the question, what is the unborn? And, and if, we, if we answer that question and we say, oh, well, the unborn is just, you know, a mass of, of tissue, the, the unborn is, is potential life, but it's not truly life, well, then you know, we might see how people can arrive at the conclusion that elective abortion is permissible. You know, if 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 instead, though, we understand that the unborn or the preborn is a distinct human life from the moment of conception, well, then that's very different. And so, you know, really, as we as we consider this, I mean, the, you know, the questions about whether or not, you know, I, I, there's an acronym that I think Scott Klusendorf, I think he's the guy who developed it, SLED, you know, S-L-E-D, um, that when we talk about the differences between, say, an unborn child versus, say, a toddler or a teenager or an adult like one of us, um, the differences between an unborn and, say, someone who has been born would be size, level of development, environment and degree of dependency, right? So there's a size difference, right? I mean, even if you take Joel and Abby's child, right? I mean, he's much smaller than any of us three, right? But the fact that he's smaller doesn't mean he's less valuable. Um, right. Level of development. I mean, he's less developed than we are, but that doesn't mean he's less valuable. Environment. So, you know, up until what? Um you, Wells is what, like a month old now? Is that right? Yeah. So, so five weeks ago, his environment was different than it is now, right? He was in the womb, and now he's not in the womb. But that doesn't have anything to do with his value. That doesn't have anything to do with his, with his identity. And then finally, degree of dependency. Well, Wells is pretty dependent right now, would you say, Joel? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> he can't feed himself. He can't clothe himself. He can't, can't hold that up, really. What was that? Can't hold his head up, even really. He right. can't hold his head up. You gotta, you gotta like hold his head up, right? I mean, you can't just let his head flop over to the side when you pick him up, right? So, 
he is like in a high, high level of dependency, right? Now, you and I can hold our heads up by ourselves, right? We don't need somebody to hold our heads up. We can bathe ourselves. We can clothe ourselves. We can feed ourselves. So we're not as dependent as a month-old child is. We're not as dependent as a child developing in the womb. But that has absolutely nothing to do with our value. It has absolutely nothing to do with our our um, our worth. And so it really comes down to a question of how do we answer the question, what is the unborn? And so that's why I think, you know, I mean, to me, the biblical theological trumps the political because, yeah, the biblical theological can intersect with the political. But first and foremost, it's a it's a biblical theological issue before it's a political issue. And and to say that we somehow we can't touch on that issue because it's political is just not it, it that's not accurate. Yeah, someone was pointing out uh, the cognitive dissonance uh, when people who scream about Black Lives Matter or, um, you know, healthcare has to, you know, you have to try to save every life uh, with healthcare, and, and and yet the same people who are making the most noise and the most uh, most upset about those things say, well, you know, the little kid that that's still in the womb is is we can get rid of it, and there, there's there's no recognition that what they're saying or t- is the opposite of what they're yelling about when they say Black Lives Matter. Uh, extreme cognitive dissonance that they can't recognize. Yeah. And I think that's true of sin. When we come with sin and we get ourselves into a situation, for instance, if we get ourselves where we have a sexual relationship with someone, we come up with all sorts of reasons why it's right. My wife doesn't like me. This feels good. Um, I'm ready to move on. Uh, you know what? Whatever you come up with that is supposed to be right, but it isn't right. But we run up against this truth that the Bible says you aren't supposed to. Uh, you're not supposed to have. You know, it's adultery. Right. I mean, it's easy to. I mean, there are there are um, there are behaviors, there are actions that that we may desire that are wrong, right? That are sinful. And so we, we can't we cannot decide in our minds that goes back to what what you were pointing out that, that we had talked about in the message yesterday is is I don't get to decide what's right and what's wrong. Right. I don't get to say, oh, well, this is right because I desire it or because I like it or because I want to do it or it no, feels right or it feels right. That's completely irrelevant to whether something is right and wrong. And so I don't get to make that decision. I instead discover it in God's word. And it may be that what I discover in God's word is that that which I desire is wrong. And so I don't get to then say, oh, well, I'm going to ignore God's word and I'm going to go ahead and do it because I desire it. I mean, look at Genesis. Was it Genesis three where Eve saw the fruit? And I think it says in the text that she saw that it was desirable for making one wise. I think the word desirable is actually in the, at least the ESV text. I mean, so, I mean, there's something that is desirable, or actually it says um, Genesis 3 verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. So in the woman's eyes, she's looking at the fruit of the tree and, and it says here in the text, saw that the tree was good for food it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, right? So, I mean, here's this, like, she sees it, 
And it goes from seeing it to then actually taking it and giving some to Adam as well. So, you know, there's things that we see that are sinful that we want, that we desire, but that doesn't mean it's okay. And the reality is we've all done, I mean, I've done it. We've all done it. We've all desired and we've all done things that are, are wrong. And so when we do that, what, what do we do? When we find that we've sinned, when we find that we've been living in sin, we've been going in the wrong direction, which we've all done, what do we do? What, what, what's the right response to that? That would be repentance, right? Exactly. And so we, repentance, it, uh, repentance that means that we're, not just that we are, are um, sorry now that we have a bunch of consequences on our head, but repentance means that I'm going to turn away from it and I'm not going to do it anymore with God's help. Yeah. What we don't realize in our society, we overlook things like the human trafficking and the child pornography that go on our community. At least a lot of people do. I don't. I don't overlook it. We we have a lot of the same things were going on in Israel at that time. In fact, we can't say we're better than they were. No, we can't. <laughs> no, we can't. Not at all, right? So our nation is, you know, is asking for judgment. <laughs> it's doing things that means we're going to get judgment on us. I, I believe that's the case. Now, I'm not going to say that whatever happens to us is because God is judging us. I don't know if I have the, I don't have the, I don't have a clarity from God to say, to say that. But I do know that if, if, if we as a nation keep going the wrong way, um, we will be judged and we will face the consequences and we'll fall like everybody else does over our pridefulness and over our are thinking that we can do anything we want to. Well, I think like we do, we have a natural desire to do everything we can to have nobody tell us what to do. And that's why we fight. That's why we see people fighting the fact that God's word is true and can tell us what to do. But we have a, a natural desire. We don't want, the, we don't want to, we don't want somebody telling us what to do. But I think what we see is that we, we need somebody because the Bible tells us that, the worst thing that God could do for us is just let us live in our own our own way and make our own decisions. Because you see, even if 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 it becomes where we get to decide what is right and wrong, then that means I can go kill my neighbor because he was annoying me. And well, I thought it was the right thing to do, you know. And then it becomes chaotic and chaos, and 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 that's why God created laws and things like that to follow. And that's why there has to be one person saying what's what's right to do and what's wrong to do. And yeah, we just, we, we one, fight one that. God that does it right. One God that says, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So if, if this is so important, if, if, and repentance is, I mean, so when we, when we have a gospel conversation, right. And, and the, one of the tool, the tool that we've recently um, shared with our church and we've done training with is the three circles, right? So we talk about God's design Sin leads to brokenness, and we can't fix our brokenness even though we try. The gospel tells us that, that God did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He gave his son Jesus. Jesus died on a cross for our sins. He was buried. God raised him from the dead. The response that we need to make to the gospel is to repent and to believe. And then once we've done that, God gives us the ability to pursue his design. So when we talk about repentance— Repentance is necessary, repentance and faith, in order to receive the salvation that is only available through Jesus Christ. But repentance is not something we do once and then we never do it again, right? Repentance is right. like, like 
we, we need to repent as often as we sin, correct? So for me, repentance is, it's daily, right? Because when I find that I've thought things or I've said things or I've done things that are wrong, what should I do? I should turn away from that, confess it as sin to God and pursue God's design, right? I should, I should say, okay, that's not okay. And I turn away from it. Right. We turn away from it and we turn away from it with God's help. Exactly. We, we need to turn to him and say, you know, I've been trying to do this on my own. Been trying, even trying to do what's right, and I'm messing up here, and I'm not doing what is right, and I don't know, I can't even get myself to do it. Was right. I need your help. I need your presence in my life. And and and, and as you, and 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 verse 17 of chapter three, it talks about the presence of the of the Lord in Jerusalem made it holy, and that's what that's what makes us holy is the presence of the Lord in our life, Christ in us, the Holy Spirit in us. God in us, who gives us a power, who does his work in us, and he makes us holy. Holy means absence of sin, right? That's, holy is absence of sin. Holy is everything that is right in your life, not, nothing that is wrong. That's what holy means, right? So there are part, time, times is when, we, and when, when we have God in our lives, as we as Christians, that, and we are holy, that we are doing the right thing, and we, don't, we are not sinning. And I think it's important to point out, and you mentioned this on Sunday as well, but that we don't, we aren't living good lives and, you know, daily repenting so that we can achieve heaven or eternal life. It's not, we're not working for it, but we are, because we constantly do depart from God's design every day, we have to keep returning back to, to God's design. And, but we understand that God paid the price for our sin. And when we repent and believe in faith, we only have to do that once. But we're still, we haven't been glorified, so it's still a daily battle. But it's not that, it's not, we don't live moral lives to achieve right. eternal life. No, it's not what we do. In fact, if, with that, if that's what we're doing, uh, as Isaiah says, all your sins are as filthy rags, right. it, it doesn't come for anything. It's only what God does is work in us, love, that it counts for anything. Yep. Yeah, so, so it's not by works that we're regenerate or that we're regenerated. In the same way, it's not by works that we keep our salvation, right? Salvation from its beginning to its conclusion is all the grace of God. And, and you're right, Paul, we, we need God's enabling grace to to live the way he wants us to live because I, I can't do it on my own and and i know that with apart from god's grace apart from his presence in my life i can't follow him and i can't repent and i can't do what he wants me to do uh, apart from his grace and his presence in my life right so as we talk about that you know this big this big idea of repentance how how does our involvement in the church and specifically in a small group, how, do, how does it help us? So like we think about repentance, turning back to God. I mean, certainly we have to individually, like I, like, like I can't repent for you and you can't repent for me. You know, I can't repent for Paul. Paul can't repent for me, right? I mean, so, so we can't do it for each other, but how can we as believers, fellow believers in the church, 
How can we help each other to pursue God's design? How can we help each other to, to, to realize and to see the sin in our lives and encourage each other to repent? And so you think about, you know, our involvement in the church as a whole, but even specifically maybe in a small group or an accountability relationship, how can, how can we encourage each other and how can we help each other to see the sin in our lives and to repent? Yeah. I think uh, we were, my wife and I were actually having a conversation a little bit about this idea. Well, just the idea, like I said earlier, like sometimes we can have sin in our life and not even know it. And it could be, it just could be a bitter attitude or an angry spirit or whatever it may be. And we we don't even realize it because we've justified it for so long in our life or felt like, but I have the right to be mad or I have the right to whatever, you know. And so when we when we have when we have people living around us, that that shows. And so we need people in our lives to say to question that. Say maybe there's maybe there's something going on here, and to to call it out. And I think even in our even in our conversations when we have somebody maybe come over to our house or we go out to dinner with them or lunch, I think sometimes we could have more meaningful conversations. And not not necessarily, uh, uh, you know, that you have it has to be some accountability type thing where you're questioning them all the time about everything they're doing. But I think just just asking questions that you know are heart checking questions, or 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 maybe just even talking scripture more to each other, speaking God's word to each other, and and those, I don't know if that makes sense, but having more meaningful, when we get together, making those conversations meaningful, because I know we had, we had people in our lives that we just lived life with. It's in seminary, you rub shoulders with them each and every day. And so they got to know you. And some of the most beneficial, we, I still benefit from some of those relationships because of the ironing, sharpening, ironing discussions that we had. And what they would say, well, are you sure that you, you don't think this way or act this way because of this in your life? And I, when I had that, when I thought about it, I was like, you know what, that you, you, it might be because of a bitterness that's in my heart or something like that. And I think that's, that's where we get that repent. We, we are reminded that, Oh shoot, I need to, I need to repent and turn back to God. Right. I, I, in Ephesians, we're talking in chapter four, where Paul starts talking about how we should live with one another and care for one another and, and love one another. Um, in verse 15, it says, speaking the truth in love. And that's, it goes back to what you were saying earlier, Pastor Luke. In, in our relationships with each other, in the small groups, in, in, in the friendships as you were talking about, Joel, um, it, it, we were able to do that because of love, because we care for one another, because we have the, the, this Christian brotherly love. And if we if we if we do that, then when the opportunity is there, we can say something that challenges or that uh, asks a question that helps people. But if we come across as judgmental and there's no love in it whatsoever, then we're not speaking the truth in love. I, I, I had someone say to me once, um, you must build the bridge of love to hold the weight of truth. Meaning, if you don't have much love, the the, way, the truth is going to crash through the bridge. It's not going to make it over to the person, and that's so important. 
Right, right. And you, you brought up a key. I mean, that was why or we had those relationships was because there was a mutual understanding of you genuinely care about me and want the best for me. And I genuinely care about you and want the best for you. And, and so I think I that's how God, God uses us. God uses us to help us him. That he, he uses us together as a church, as, as a group, as friends. He uses us in his way to, to challenge us. Yeah. And, and it, it goes to the, you know, we've talked in the past about the fact that, um, or at least, you know, it's been in the preaching about the, the one another's that we see throughout the New Testament and how important it is that we, we see that our faith is a, um, it's a family affair and that, that when we are saved, we become a part of God's spiritual family. We become a part of the church. And so, you know, we encourage each other. And, and, and I think God uses believers in our lives to encourage us. And, and, it, and, and it helps us in, in the process of sanctification, in the process of growth in Christ that, you know, and there's times where any one of us, whether we're, whether we're the, the pastor or we're another leader in the church, um, that, that all of us need that refining, encouraging, challenging, sharpening and um, you know, whether it's somebody encouraging us when they see something good that that's going on in our lives, or, or maybe it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a loving word of challenge because maybe something's not the way it ought to be. So, um, uh, there's, there's, it's really important for us to, uh, to, to be vitally involved in and connected with God's people in his church. And I think to make those, to make that time very meaningful as well, because I think what, this is what my Abby and I were talking about was just sometimes when we get together, it's easy to almost waste our time. Not that time with people is ever wasting, but we kind of, we talk about sports or weather or whatever we like to talk about. And then we leave after an hour and a half or two hours. And (laughs) was, was our conversation actually, did it, did it move us forward? Did it push us forward? in our relationship with Christ or whatever it might've been. And not that we can't, not that when you get together with people, we can't just have a good time and enjoy each other, but. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, there needs to be some, um, some depth and some, you know, vulnerability. Is that, is that the word maybe? Um, we get beyond kind of the superficial or the surface, you know, kind of, we get beyond the icebreaker. How about that? We get beyond the icebreaker, and right. we and we actually dig into some things. And and Which context, takes time. yeah, it takes time, and and also it takes you know it takes time to develop those relationships and to build that trust. Right. right. You know, I mean, for example, like Paul and I, we, you know, we've, you know, we had done it in the past, but we've recently renewed. Um, you know, getting together and we're able to have some very open conversation that that perhaps maybe we would, that I know for me that I'm not just going to have with somebody randomly. Um, so I think that those relationships, they take time, trust develops. And, and, and I think it's important for us to have, you know, somebody that we can communicate with and someone and, and for people to feel like they can communicate with us. Yeah, because the fact is, is that the things we we're not the only person that struggles with whatever we struggle with. Right. 
it now it doesn't that doesn't mean that everybody struggles with the same things that I struggle with, and that doesn't mean that everybody struggles with the same things you struggle with. But we all have struggles, right? We all have this tendency to stray and to sin, and so it's not like there's something unique to us, and we're the only ones struggling, right? So, you know, being honest and open about that, and and encouraging each other, and having some accountability that's that's important that's valuable um it, it would be foolish for me to think oh i can do this all on my own i mean first and foremost i need the lord because i can't do anything without the lord but the lord puts people in my lives for a reason yeah yeah it's good so anything else um that just kind of stood out, um, you know, anything from Joel, I mean, every, all the way back chapter, I mean, I say all the way back, I mean, there's only three chapters, but, you know, anything from chapters one, two, and three, kind of as we, as we kind of bring this conversation to a conclusion, anything else from, from the prophet Joel that really just kind of hit home that you think is just really powerful? Well, Joel also promises in, and in, in which Peter quoted from, from that, the same passage, he quoted about the, spirit coming upon uh both men and women that were in front of him that were he was when he was in the room and he and he said it was the promise that that god is that his spirit will be upon us and we we've talked about god in this but the the uh if there is spiritual dryness in our hearts um we've you know if we if we feel estranged from god then we need to question what we're doing if we don't want to talk about spiritual things and all we want to talk about is sports and we don't want to talk about things of god then we we have to we have to think about perhaps you know the spirit is not in us because of what we're doing because we the spirit can't live in live in us while we're sinning and while we're rebelling against them so it's time for time for repentance Yeah. And, you know, there's this um, this statement in, you know, after he talks about the outpouring of the spirit. Um, verse 32 of chapter two, he says, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So in Acts two, Peter actually quotes a large section. Um, well, uh, a few verses. I mean, th I think three or four verses out of out of Joel two, um, and he also that verse thirty two. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But also Paul picks up on this in Romans ten, and and Paul in Romans ten thirteen says, "Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." So, I mean, there is this promise that if if we call upon the name of the Lord, there is salvation. There is salvation, and and it's not just the Jew; it's the Gentile, which is what we are. Absolutely. So, you know, if we call upon the name of the Lord and, and, and it's, I mean, you know, um, you know, taking it from kind of Rome, the Romans 10 context, you know, there, there is, there's the hope of, of, and the promise of, of salvation, right? Salvation. And uh, as we said earlier, not just salvation of one time, but a salvation throughout our lives. Yeah. The working out of our salvation. All right. Well, guys, I appreciate your time this morning. I think uh, we had a fruitful 
conversation and um we're going to wrap this up this concludes our our uh, podcast for today thanks for joining us for the first nsd podcast we'll look forward to having you join us next time